The International Fly Fishing Film Tour Festival will be in Birmingham, Alabama at the Cahaba Brewing Company on March 18th. The doors will open at 12 p.m. and the films will start showing around 3.30 p.m. The film tour is hosted by Deep South Outfitters and the Cahaba River Keeper. Tickets can be purchased at Deep South Outfitters and online at the Fly Fishing Film Tour website. If available, you will be able to purchase them at the door on the day of the event. Several of our guests uh, from this current season and some past seasons, like Mary Beth Meeks and Matt Lewis, will be, um, will be featured here at this event. They have a film that's really incredible, but we also, we will have a booth, so we would love for you to come by and see us on March 18th at the Cahaba Brewing Company. This is The Storied Outdoors, a podcast somewhere between Lewis and Tolkien and Lewis and Clark, finding clarity in the stories we tell and the adventures that shape us. Welcome to The Storied Outdoors. My name is Brian, and I am joined by my co-host, as always, my good buddy, my pal, Brad Hill. And uh, today we have a special guest, author uh, S.D. Smith. Uh, he goes by S.D. in his writings. We're going to call him Sam today. Um, he is the author of the Green Ember series, a million-selling adventure saga featuring heroic rabbits with swords. Uh, my children love these books, and um, the uh, the Green Ember uh, is not only just in print, but it's been it's spent over. Uh, it spent some time as the number one best-selling audiobook in the world on Audible. Uh, he's got a new novel that he co-authored with his 16-year-old son. It's a thrilling fantasy called Jack Zulu and the Waylander's Key. Uh, Sam's stories are captivating, and uh, you know people all across the globe are reading them. Um, I, I met Sam in uh, in Hutchmoot. I actually started following him. A couple of months before that, because I was looking for books for my my son, and um, and for my children that were that were wholesome books that were um, faith based ad- adventure books, not just something that would be uh, uh, run of the mill. I wanted something deeper, and I found Sam at, on online, and, and I just started following him. Then lo and behold, I met him at Hutchmoot, and. Uh, you know, Sam not only writes books, he's the founder and owner of Story Warren, a publishing events uh, and IP development house based in rural West Virginia. Um, Sam lives in Grandview, West Virginia with his wife and his four kids. So uh, that's the formal introduction. I want to get into how I actually, you know, my, my real introduction to Sam is... <laughs> I sat in his um, in one of his sessions at uh, at Hutchmoot, and it was on writing. And we started talking about this little book called Leaf by Neagle and um, by J.R.R. Tolkien. And that book uh, has since really uh, impacted my life. But I had a, uh, Sam was making a conversation. I mean, a, a comment in his talk about how if God is prompting you to publish something or to write something or to do something creative and you're not doing it. It's pride that's keeping you from doing it because you're saying that you know better than God. 
And I, and I went up to him afterwards. I said, Sam, I, it's not, I don't feel like it's pride. It's fear. Like I'm, I'm afraid to get it out into the world. And he looked me dead in the eye and said, well, that fear comes from pride. And I said, okay, well, I'll get on writing that uh, proposal. And uh, you know, not, not long after that, I wrote a proposal to get a book published. And uh, you know, I was rejected, but it was still, it was, it was getting it out there. That was, I felt like being obedient. And that book later became a self-published book. And also talked to Sam about publishing. He said, oh, publishing, that's not the hard part. Just get the thing, write the thing. There's plenty of ways to get something published. So that's my introdu- introduction to Sam. Appreciate your impact in my life over the last few years and my children's life. I've got your book right here. Uh, you inscribed it in the beginning. It says, to Charles and Perry, it is what it is, but it is not what it shall be. So, Sam, thank you for joining us. It is my pleasure to be here with you guys. Thank you for having me. <clears throat> I'm starting to get kind of scared with all those stories because I, I don't um I'm not, I don't know. I didn't remember what we talked. I mean, I remember what that talk was about at the, at the, that conference. I didn't remember. Uh, I remember saying something about like Tolkien can't write like me. I think that was maybe my, yeah, I wrote that down too. Speaking of, speaking of pride. Uh, I think that was, uh, I should have gone into that with a little more fear, probably fear, fear and trembling for, for saying that. But I, I do, I do remember, I do remember that um, talk. I think, Lanier talked about Leaf by Niggle because she's smart enough to understand it. Um, but I, I, I think I was like, gave my little sort of hillbilly uh, s- slight on that one uh, a little bit and tried to just like set her up, I guess. You know, I was like the opening act. I was kind of warming people up. And I think she, she delivered. The, she's, she's brilliant. She's, Lanier is she a, was, that was, that was a, that was a great duo. You guys, y'all did a great job together. Thank you. That's, uh, I like, uh, there's something I've seen several times, like in bios and you know, I think on your website, this idea of, of new stories with an old soul. I love that. And, uh, also, I mean, we've, we've spent times with, uh, with James Whitmer's a, a, a former guest of our podcast and turned into one of our friends over the past couple of years. And I know he works with you guys at story war and we love James and the work that he does. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's a good egg. Oh, old, old James, yeah. love that guy. He's a wonderful fella. And uh, yeah, new stories in the old soul. Yeah, I like that. I I, I made that with my bare hands. There you I mean, go. I was very proud of that. Well done. Um, very proud and humbled by, about that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Uh, how did you? How do you get to that point? I mean, all joking aside, new stories with an old soul. Like when you're writing two things how did you get to where you want to write new stories with an old soul and and writing in general what was your introduction into really going i think i want to be a writer hmm. well, that's kind of a long story the the uh, i think started when i was a little kid i think i was just fascinated by, by stories and my mom would read us books and then I had a teacher and particularly in first grade who read us some books she read it and, and one that stood out to me was uh, she read Little Women to us and Little Women had uh, Joe March who was a writer and and for some reason that clicked with me as a as a like oh that's a possibility or something I, I think I thought of um, you know I lived what honestly like way up in the woods in a holler like in, we lived in a bit in the basement of a um, log cabin that my dad was building um, that he actually never finished. We went to the mission field before that was finished, but we lived 
we would say so far back in the woods that nobody lived behind us. That's what my dad said. And when I was, when I was a little kid, I thought that was true, which was like kind of, kind of cool and sci-fi too. I was like, Oh man, that's, that's neat. Like, really? Like if I kept going back there, but I, I went very far back in the woods. I never, ever saw anybody. So, um, uh, so, so that was, my imagination was really piqued by, by Joe March. And I thought, well, for some reason I thought like, Oh, I guess I'd thought about authors or that kind of thing as being like far away or British or from the, you know, from a, just, I don't know. British. It didn't feel accepted. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but Joe March was an American and I thought, Oh, and then Louisa May Alcott, of course, was an American and I found out that, that connection. So I really I fell in love with that idea and I started writing little stories when I was a kid. The funny thing is I didn't really read that much. Uh, I mean, on my own, I didn't do independent reading. I didn't, there weren't a lot of boys that were doing reading a lot of peers, boys or men that I saw like reading very much. It seemed like that was something. So just culturally, it was a little, little, um, took me a while to catch up and, and to really get into reading. I was a teenager when I, when I, um, got a hold of Ender's game, but that, 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 uh, and that just turned me into a reader. I went from there to, to Tolkien and, Shakespeare and I just had it really changed my life. I just sort of started making up for lost time pretty quick. Um, but I, I wasn't your typical, like just sitting around reading all the time kid. Mm. Um, I, but I always loved stories and I was sort of feel like I was haunted by the vocation of a storyteller uh, growing up. But um, yeah, so, so I, 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 but at some point I think it started kind of clicking in later, much later in life. I really got serious, but I was probably in my thirties before I got actually pretty serious about, um, writing, I wrote my first novel and, um, but the, but the, but my, my sort of public books, the, the, the green ember series, they came out of stories that I told my kids. So it was a, a very, um, not calculated. So you're talking about like, well, how do you come up with like new stories of an old soul, new stories of an old soul is something that I sort of, uh, looked at what I'd was doing and was trying to describe it. You know, I was trying to describe it because we were sharing that with the um, with the world. We were sharing these stories that it started out on my porch with my daughter, um, and 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 then with my son too. My kids, I would tell the story in this sort of serial form. All you know, at bedtimes and on walks all around our property. Uh, in the outdoors and and uh, i would tell so that became this sort of like our family story and then then when when i went to write it when we wrote it write it down and then we decided to share it that that was the first time you know i think about it as creation and connection now um but uh, you know you got, you got the thing that you're making and then then how do you share it with other people and that's uh, people to call, talk about self-promotion or marketing or all those kinds of things. I think of it as creation and connection. And, um, and, and a lot of the same principles I think apply in both um, removing obstacles, generosity, love, service, these kinds of things, try to think of those things. Um, but uh, that meant like we were going to do a Kickstarter. So that meant making a video and making a video means like, I have to now think about what is this? Like, cause you know, it's so it's such a nice, uh idea to just like leave it well it is what it is you know we want to know what it is read it you know like the uh i think uh when um t.s Eliot was was reading we did a did a reading of the wasteland and uh when he was done someone raised a hand and said but can you explain what it means 
<laughs> and he just started at the beginning again and read it again, read the whole thing again. That was his, that's what we want to be, you know. I think as, as storytellers, we want to just like, well, you just you understand it. I will just make it because I'm a creative and you know I'm so brilliant. And, but but the truth is, we gotta we gotta figure out ways to to make connections. I think and and to share, be generous when we're sharing it with people too. So. Uh, I just was, I think we were making the video and I was trying to, and I was trying to describe what it was. What, uh, what is this? Like what, what's, what's different about it? What's unique or whatever. And um, I think I said it was, there were fresh stories with an old soul and that, that became, Oh, wait, they're really, they're new stories with an old soul. And that's, I think that's honest. I think that's what they are. I think that's how, that's how they feel to, to the readers. And I think naming that is helpful. It's helpful for the connection part. Um, but I think that's, that's an honest thing uh, that that's, that's what the, the, that is even or even then the early feedback but um that's what people i think are experiencing um one one uh my illustrator uh for the for the green number series Jack, uh, zach franzen is just a brilliant guy and he described he, he was we were talking about you know in those early days the green number sort of, sort of started taking off and, and we it was very surprising and kind of like we don't know what's going on here and i was kind of it was, it was a little bit of a uh, uh it was a little bit of like whiplash kind of like we didn't expect it to do what it, what happened there was just a lot more other families kind of like us that, that enjoyed those kinds of stories and we just we weren't we didn't know what we were doing so he was trying to sort of explain it and he he, he explained it as in like the publishers aren't publishing a lot of books with those sort of old um virtues and that kind of thing so that he felt like those those virtues themselves were sort of like uh trapped in amber or they're like museum pieces that if you want like the stuff about little women or or um anne of green gables or these kinds of stories like they're they're kind of old they belong to the past and sort of the virtues associated with them the moral imagination associated with them kind of belong to the past and he said that, that with the green ember it felt like i think the readers were experiencing like all those things but out in the wild like not in a museum anymore but like present like kind of like a jurassic park kind of a thing like oh this thing's supposed to be in the past but it's it's here now and that's like a, a, a arresting in a in a good way and i think that's probably true that's i think that's true i think that's what's happened with people i think people that's been there, there's such a hunger for those kinds of stories and i think i don't I don't know that the Green Number series is the greatest series of all time. I'm pretty sure it's not, uh, but uh, but I think it does has fed that hunger that people have for this mm. um, new stories with an old soul. I love that. Yeah. What is it about storytelling in general that you're drawn to? I like. Uh, I think. I don't know. I, I I thought that was just cool from the very beginning. Uh, so there's a, there's an element of where I just I like the I, it's fun uh, it's hard it's it's one of the, I don't know I think it's almost like it's almost like sports like uh, I I love always love playing that's what I did most of the time growing up as a kid and I, was, I still love sports and uh, so first of all I think it's just really enjoyable and the, another thing that I have in common with those two things is I love the sort of self forgetfulness in it. And that might be funny to sort of for some people to hear who, who don't do it, but um, who think of like, oh, well, you got your name on the cover and you're a big deal and you're famous. And or, or as a friend of mine said, fame ish, which I think is more true. So. <laughs> um, when you're you're famous for writing books, you're you're not very famous. Uh, uh, household bestseller. Sure. <laughs> but uh 
I love the, but you know, the, it's, it, it is really when, when you're, it's like, like you're reading, you know, when, when you're, when you're t- writing stories, I love the, I love the fact that you can get lost in it. And for hours, an hour, however long you've got, like you can really, you can really forget about yourself and you can kind of get, if you're sort of an anxious introverted person too, which I tend to be that way. Um, it's a it's a real relief to 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 sort of forget about yourself for a while and just get lost in a story. And I love that. And I love the whole the clarity of it for me. The the particularly the way that my career has gone. That these were stories that were intended for my kids. That they were intended to be a gift. That I never I didn't re- I wasn't really thinking about the market. I wasn't thinking cal- calculating. I wasn't thinking what is what is what do people want right now or what are, you know that kind of thing. I didn't. It was so pure and so clear and i wrote exactly what i wanted to write as a gift for my kids and if if it didn't sell anything at all i was i mean it probably would have been disappointing but i thought i want we've got this monument this this little this relic of our time together and when i'm gone you'll still be able to share you can share this with your kids and it's kind of i was like that's a win right there so i i love the fact that the, the my experience with um the book being somewhat successful is that it, that was just an extension of that so i never had to i haven't had to worry like to you know my about my mission or anything i have real clarity about oh i'm just i'm writing these things for people that i love that i want to serve that i want to give a gift to and we got kind of a, um, a a nice connection and a nice bond, and and I feel like I, I just love the clarity. I love the I love having the vocation personally of waking up and having a job where I'm like loving kids, where I'm like trying to bless kids and give them a gift and something that I enjoy. So I, it's and I think storytelling is a miracle. I think it's just it's 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 absolutely incredible that you can share something from your mind, from your own soul, from your own family. And you can give that. You can put it down in little symbols on a on a glowing screen, and then that can be printed in these um, things that people have been enjoying for for a long time in our history. And these these little this little package um, that's sort of in the in the scope of mankind of kind of a new invention, but it feels very old fashioned too now. Uh, and uh, it's a little miracles. I, I love these uh, sharing them. It's uh, and they, they, you know someone in Africa or the furthest part of the world, which I've I've gotten letters from kids all over the world, and you know they can they can um, be seeing the things in their mind that I, that I saw and that I shared with my kids. So it's I love storytelling. It's it is it feels like a way to participate in a, in a little uh, a little bit of magic. Yeah. You mentioned earlier that you guys, uh, your family went on the mission field. Where did, where did you guys go on the mission field? We were in South Africa um, and a little bit in Zimbabwe, but mostly in Southern Africa for most of my teenage years. I turned, uh, I was 12 years old when we went. I turned 13 in South Africa the day Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Wow. That was, that was my first uh, birthday. And when I left, he was the president. That's so incredible. It was an interesting time to be there for sure. Certainly. Yeah, I have a friend that uh, that just uh, his family just moved to Joburg and and are, are, work, okay. are working there and hoping hoping cool. to go visit him and encourage and love on him this year. Awesome, uh, that's great. Yeah, I've been Let's there one other time in route to Kenya when I was working for World Changers. We stopped in Johannesburg. It's one of my, my favorite uh, stories about going to Africa. I, you know, I grew up in a small town in Alabama. And so when I thought I was going to Africa, you know, I had all these presuppositions about what that meant. 
And yeah. so we landed with a day layover in Johannesburg. We stay in a hotel. We're like, well, let's run and get something to eat. We go to a McDonald's. I get the same thing I've always gotten from McDonald's. And Diamond Rio was playing on the radio. I'm like, <laughs> we're supposed to be in Africa right now. What's happening? Because <laughs> this is not what I thought I was coming to see. So, you know, I just didn't really dawn on me just how westernized and how, you know, Johannesburg was such a, you know, a huge city. And so I had so many things in my head about what I was going to see. And it was not that at all. Now, yeah. it certainly got that way when we got to Kenya, but initially yeah. it was You can see those things in South Africa, too, sure. but it's but it's like the world. and They've got everything there from, from the from the bush and jungle to the desert to mountains and yeah. oceans and, and cities and small towns and villages and tribes, and they've kind of – they've got it all there. Yeah. Uh, but Joburg's a big old, big old city. It really is. It was, but it was just a funny memory for me of thinking, oh, man, I'm going to, you know, Lion King, Africa, you know. <laughs> yeah, like a two cheeseburgers, large fry, and large coke. <laughs> what? I didn't. So, uh, what? Uh, what part? Uh, this would be. A, what part did those experiences play, and what part does the, does the outdoors play in your writing? You know, as you're writing a story like the the Green Embers series, you know, what what part does the outdoors and your experiences, you know, hiking or whatever, in? How does that inform your writing? I don't know if I know exactly, um, but it, you know, I know I've not I've never been asked that before, so I don't, I've never th- thought about that very much. But I, you know, the media thing comes to mind is that I, I, um, I take walks, you know, and and uh, that feels like a prescription for me, you know, for for uh, for health is is um, not only the movement, but the sunlight and the and and um, just the beauty of, of seeing feel blessed to be able to live in a place that is beautiful. And uh, it's not a it's, you know, it's fine. I think with the with the pandemic stuff and people feeling you know, locked down and work from home, and that kind of stuff, I think a lot more people are aware of uh, sort of the, the the power and privilege of, of living in a place that has beautiful outdoors and accessible that, that there are some downsides to living in big cities that are that um you know that, that sometimes i heard a guy at a, at a writing conference that um down here in west virginia this guy um, convenes this incredible conference called hope words um and he's he's he was talking about he said uh you know our 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 back door you know outside our backyard is um many people's dream and he's just talking about the sort of the uh, the surprising um beauty and um sort of people don't think of it anybody is having like an advantage for living in West Virginia. But he's like, we, you know, we, we live in a place that's, that's like a playground for, for, for a lot of people who live in a big city. So I love it here. I love West Virginia. We live pretty close to actually what's now a national park. It's the newest national park. And um, we, we uh, it was just a state park till pretty recently, but um, we walk, I walk up to that and I live in a place called Grand View. And there's a beautiful overlook there, and there's uh, hiking kind of trails, and it's, uh, there's an outdoor theater there where they have plays, and um, mm-hmm. there's just it's a beautiful place, and uh, that's close by. But uh, you know, just walking 
you know, just almost anywhere you look, it's just there's there's beauty everywhere around here. And so related to writing, I think it's funny. I don't I don't think about it very actively because it's kind of one of those things like I just sort of assume it's just it's there all the time for me. I love it. I love West Virginia. My families were very um we're sort of a little bit nutty about you know I think you know West Virginians get a little bit of a I think this probably happens with Alabama too, but we get a little bit of a chip on our shoulders about like people making fun of us or overlooking us, you know, no, nobody. Um, it, so we, we've got a little bit of a, like, okay, ma- you know, make fun of us, but we're, we're very proud of who we are, you know, who we are and w- what we can be. But the truth is we got lots of challenges uh, in our state, but, but there's a lot of, a lot of um, good gifts too, but I love it. And I think just directly to, to storytelling is uh, in my writing is I, I love to take walks and actually my son and I, for this new book that we, this new series, uh, Jack Zulu series, um, we 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 would write we walk and talk a lot about the about the storytelling Mm -hmm. about you know what's coming next that kind of thing and we would we would sort of figure it out we kind of like wrote the story like in our heads i guess um plotted out the story um outside Mm -hmm. and we do that all the time and actually i do that with the green ember stuff to myself and and really in the last several years he's really helped me a lot he he will take a walk and he'll help me like if i'm in in a in a tough spot if I can't figure out what to do next or what comes next I'll often just take a walk myself and be thinking about it figure helping that helps sort of figure things out and then um, often he'll help me um, with that as well he's just got he's got really good story instincts and he's been awesome to work with him but yeah a lot of our work happens outside <laughs> um, that that's it's it's kind of the office in a way and it just the, the the importance for people who are storytellers or people who are in the creative fields who are sitting on um, backsides in chairs for long periods of time you know you got to move you got to move and and if you if if all you've got is somewhere indoor to go that's great Uh, that's good that's a good start but if you can combine that with fresh breeze and sunshine and and mountains and trees then then uh, that feels like uh i I feels like an unfair advantage i i I guess i think if people think of i i i'm in many ways it would be there's a story to be told to say oh you're a you're a writer in west virginia where you don't have a lot of peers it's not like Nashville or LA or New York where there's just writers everywhere and all kinds of creative people. So you're isolated and that's really tough. You've had, a, and I, yeah, there's a story to be told about that, but I like the story of where I've got um, incredible beauty right at hand and, and um, that, that, I, that this is an unfair advantage for me mm-hmm. that living in, living in a rural uh, place, the County, um, you know, that's you said rural West Virginia earlier, and uh, that's that's like West Virginia, and it's this, that's the right. same. You can you can say rural or you can say West Virginia. It's the same thing. It's all rural. <laughs> um, yeah, but, but I think of it. Hey, that's an advantage. I, I, I love it. That's a gift, and that's, and cool. that's, that's how I, that's how I approach it. Well, you, um, you know, you're touching on this this writing process, walking in the woods. You know, I love that that you know Lewis and Tolkien did that. You know, they took these long walks, and and especially. Yep. Uh, you know, some of them were together. Uh, your writing process, uh, there's a little little house on your property called The Forge, and I'm so jealous of that. I'm, I'm, not, I mean, I'm not even going to be ashamed of it. I, I, I'm jealous that you have The Forge. Uh, can you tell us about your writing process and, and that house and just a little, bit of, a little bit of what goes into the day uh, in the life of, of Sam Smith in the writing world? 
Well, you know, house is a very grand term. Um, it's <laughs> not much more than what you can see on this video screen. It's it's a uh, it's a shed. It is a garden shed, and that, that's that's what it was are, when we. Are you in there now? Oh, oh yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is this is a forge. It's 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 tiny. It's really small. I do. I love it. It's great. Um, it's right. It's about ten feet. From my house, so my commute sometimes gets a little rough, in, you know. But uh, I, do, I do my best to get here on time. But uh, yeah, it's not it's not far far from the house. And yeah, when we when we bought this house, it was uh, it was just like a garden shed and had all a tool, bunch of tools and stuff in it. And it's uh, it's great. I love it. It's a it's a wonderful little place. Um, uh, I, uh, I it's it's kind of like a little know, a little white house got a little porch on it and. The, my favorite feature of the forge so it's called the forge because of because uh, that's you know that's where smith works and uh, so smith goes to work in the forge i can't try to think okay. of it as like um i kind of I, I try to think of my job as being um pretty i don't know they're, they're, i believe all that stuff i said about sort of writing and storytelling being magical like this miraculous kind of thing but i also believe that it's a that it's an ordinary Christian vocation rooted in love and service. Mm -hmm. And so that I, I feel like it's a job where, where I should wear an apron, you know, that it's a job where I'm serving, I'm serving food, you know, to kids, I'm doing something. I feel, that's, I'm a line cook. I'm, I, I, so I kind of think of it as like a job I, and I, I don't want to divorce it from sort of the romance element of it. I want to kind of hold on to both of those things at the same time. Um, but that, that apron wearing blacksmith, you know, sort of show up to your job kind of thing, uh, I think helps deal with some of the sort of the, the temptations to pretension, the temptations to, um, to, to uh, elitism or all that kind of stuff, which I think is pretty easy to see. And if you talk to very many um, people in the arts, I think that's, that's some of the stories we tell, which are not exactly, I don't know, they don't feel very consistent with sort of the kingdom of God uh, approach. Um, but I love, so I love it. It's like a little modest little um, little shed that I get to work in every day. And I, and I love that. My, probably my favorite feature of it is that I've got some stone, like a little stone wall, just a small one around the outside. And that started because my neighbors, um, they were uh, getting older. And um, I think uh, the, the um, they were almost like grandparents to us, but we kind of helped take care of them. And they were, they were, they were wonderful people. And, he was getting close to, to dying and she was just trying to deal with stuff. And they had a bunch of stones from uh, their various trips, like to different, they'd love to go down to the river and they would bring stones back and they'd kind of put them in different parts of their yard, kind of little um, around bushes or this or that. And it actually made it harder for them to, to mow and stuff. So she needed to get rid of them. So I went and got them all. And I was like, I don't know what to do. Gina was gone. My wife was gone. Uh, at the time, so I had all these rocks, and I just dumped them in the in the yard. I was like, I don't know what to do with these, and it's going to be such a pain. And um, but I was just trying to help her, and they were really precious to her. And you know, it was like she was um, getting uh, older and very sentimental, and so this was like it's kind of like a, you know they're from the Depression era too, so like they did not want to. I mean, everything every time they do a yard sale or anything, it would be like they couldn't get rid of anything because they valued everything so high. You know, it wasn't quite like the hoarders kind of a thing, but it was sort of you know that generation. And and honestly, people in poorer places, you know, got a lot of you got a lot of ancestral memory of like of uh, not just letting things go. So anyway, it was very precious to her. So I didn't know what to 
to do with them. So I had them in my yard, and then I just, I just one day I was like, hey, well, I think I'll, I think I'll just stick these around. So I've sort of made a little wall around, and they're they're not designed for it. They're not flat rock. It's not easy. It's not good. So it was hard. So I made that kind of thing, and I made the little ring around the forge. And um, Gina is like a green thumb, so she was making like kind of a little garden in between. So there's like a little little bit of a garden. Um, with kind of ground cover and different things in, in inside of that. And then I, I really liked that idea. So I started getting um, stones from my, like my childhood home where my, uh, where I grew up, my, my, uh, my papa's house. I got some stones from there and I got some from his dad's house. I got some from Gina's um, grandfather's home, old home place. And, uh, and uh and a few other stones from sort of like places of memory like so Mm -hmm. so i feel like i'm surrounded sort of like by ancestors out there that's it's not it's not the prettiest wall in the world because some of the from some of them are from virginia and some of them are from you know different places so they're they're kind of weird and don't match but to me i kind of like that because that's how i feel like a little bit of a misfit or whatever it's so i've got this sort of uh these little stones of memory not like a like a witch or something but <laughs> it's not like that not those kind of stones but it's a, i feel like they're connected to sort of um my past and, and my community mm-hmm. where i am now and what other people value so that's a, like a little ground feature that i walk through every day um that reminds me sort of of um where i come from it's kind of Lebanese, biblical there Lebanese, you know. Lebanesers, man yeah man yeah yeah well i love that yeah so much yeah a little bit of that just a little bit of memory yeah stones, stones of memory well, that's great the, the older I get, the more I appreciate things like that, that that help me remember and tangible things like that, and to have the sort of a cloud of witnesses watching you as you uh, as you write and create. So to have that memory and that's rich, brings the richness to your stories. Uh, you, you talked about walking with your son and uh, this this newest project, uh, Jack Zulu and uh, the Waylanders Key. A um, couple of things. Uh, one as a dad to to have your son enter into the work that you do what was what was that like for you as a dad to to have him come into what you do and to share that craft with him uh, a huge honor uh, I, I loved it um it's a, a privilege it's like an answer to prayer for sure mm. uh, i'd love that we were able that we were able to do one book and we're working on the second one now and it's a real delight and joy. I, I would love to be able to say that we've, you know, had all kinds of, I, I was a con- little bit concerned because we had kind of a pretty good relationship. Um, we've had a good relationship and, and uh, I was kind of worried like, Oh, this is, this is, I, I know how much pressure I feel mm. just through the publishing process. It's like, you know, we're a small little gorilla warfare, um, <laughs> little, um, uh, crew and so just just uh how much pressure there is to do so many different things to kind of make it happen so but uh, so i was concerned that this one might put a strain on our relationship that would be really tough but he's been so this was really a lot of his ideas to begin with this was kind of his story and so it kind of became our story um together but um he's been so uh such a privilege to to work with a real like i don't know i guess i feel like people would say that but it's really true and we had very minimal almost to no sort of like significant conflict about it he's he's had a real he has a real approach of which is a real professional approach i think that's that would not have been true of me i don't think at that age but get a real like um best idea wins kind of a thing and so he's just ready to humility there and that, that surprises me a little bit um just considering like 
how proud I think I could be at his age um, and more focused on like, what, what's, what am I getting here instead of like, what's the, he's really, he's really taken to heart this approach of like trying to serve the audience well and serve the, the story really well and try to, so I, it's been an absolute privilege. We've spent a lot of time together. I'm impressed with him. I'm pleased with him. I'm so I'm delighted with him. I love the story. I think we, what we what we've done together is really fun. I think it's it's good. I think there's uh, much better than something I could have done on my own. Uh, but I think more than anything, I'm just proud of him as a as a dad that he's sort of taken. He's just worked really hard. He's worked very very hard. Uh, had a had a uh, really good work ethic and a good but he's had had this this humility this generosity of spirit um which is so so i mean i'm, I'm pleased about the project all the way around but i think mostly i'm pleased um, i'm proud of him as my son for what he's what he's doing and and it's an absolute privilege because i'm not a not wealthy so i don't have like a lot of hey here's a bunch of money i don't i'm not um you know, I'm not super technical or something. I don't have like this sort of, I can give you my ability to sort of code or to fix cars or I'm not, you know, there's not a lot, there's, I'm trying to think of the things I'm good at. Like, you know, he knows how to play soccer because, you know, that's, that's, I'm good at that or sports or that kind of thing. And he knows about history and theology. Some of these things I can give, but this is, this is like a, something <clears throat> that, you know, it's a, my, my profession, my vocation uh, and sharing that with him has been a, being allowed to give that to him, uh, you know, take your take your son to work with you and and mentor him and give him uh, walk him through all these kinds of things. It was a, was a is was is um, a, a real a massive privilege and a huge answer to prayer. Yeah, it's cool because so often, I mean, you know, young men look at their dads and well, that's what dad does, but that's not what I do. And so yeah. to have uh, to have your son enter into your craft like that and want to and it is rich and it's not something you see very often anymore. You know, apprenticeship and, you know, a son doing what the father did. And uh, so to see that's really cool. So I'm sure that is, you know, a joy and something that uh, you look forward to. That's cool. Sam, we, we like to call this, uh, this podcast, a, uh, a digital campfire. You know, the Brad kind of, Brad kind of came up with that term and, you know, that's what we're doing. We're sitting around, we're telling stories. We're we're swapping stories. Uh, if you're sitting around a campfire and everybody's swapping stories, what is your go-to story? And and would you share? Would you like to share that with us? Uh, uh, and it could be from the outdoors. It could be personal. I mean, whatever. Uh, we just we love hearing stories. Uh, maybe the untold story. If that's something, could would you share something with us? Sure. Um, I don't know. For some reason, what pops in my mind is, you know, you kind of heard a little bit of our our, our care for our as a family. Like we love this state and um, care about our heritage and that sort of stuff. Um, we had an uncle who who uh, was doing a lot of research. You know, doing this sort of uh, family history, sort of genealogy kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and he traced our ancestors back the first ones that came over uh, they were scots irish um and i found out that you're not supposed to say scotch irish that the scott the scots do not like that apparently so we're supposed to say scots irish now so i didn't know that but i've learned um 
And so when we were growing up, we were always thought we were Scotch Irish. But anyway, the, the first people that came over, you one talking of them about was tape. You, we're talking about tape here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> not a drink, not a tape. I don't know what it is, but um, Scotch Irish is something know. you get at a bar, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> So, so there, the they were Presbyterians who came over. One of them was a pastor named Samuel Smith, and uh, one of our, our oldest ancestors from the Smiths who came. Um, they've he had some he had some land, and he's buried um, up in Pennsylvania. And we we uh, found him. And there was kind of a trip of these many generations kind of going up there. Papa, Dad, uh, my oldest brother his oldest son i didn't have any kids at the time but his um, oldest son i think was probably eight years old something like that at the time his name's noah he uh so we went up everybody went up there and they're visiting seeing the old house seeing the old it's kind of it's sort of a you know a, a, a fascinating connection to our family history and they eventually go and my oldest brother's walking with his with his uh son eight-year-old son they're walking through the, the graveyard and he's kind of like this is this is i've seen grandpa david's funeral or not funeral his uh, his headstone and there it's kind of it's been a long time and he's walking through there and he's kind of thinking this is a real teachable moment you know this is uh for us and he says uh you know son all these all these folks you know all these names that you see you know they all they all lived they uh, they loved they they enjoyed they feasted they had sorrows they lived their lives and uh they're not that different from us and and he said now son son someday someday we're all we're all going to end up here and uh son looked up at him and said in Pennsylvania, <laughs> and uh, so for a for a uh, for a West Virginia loving boy, this was devastating. That was, he was meant, you know, we're all going to die someday. Right. We're all going to, you know, but, but this the, our, this boy that shows you how crazy we are about our state. But this kid was just it, devastated. devastated. And like we're all going to end up. This is still like terrible theology, but. That's a little. That's a little story just to demonstrate how how um, crazy we are about our about our state. You know, how, how how deep the idolatry goes for us. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love I love West Virginia. I mean, I've, I've driven through there. I've actually been uh, snowshoe West Virginia. We've been snow skiing before, and every time we've got, yeah, I've probably been to snowshoe six times. Every time oh, we go up that's there, that's, that's not too far away from oh, me. Oh man, that, that is some beautiful country. And every time I go by there, I'm like, gosh, I wonder if there's a, I wonder if there's a fish in those little streams that separate the road from the houses, you know? Uh, yeah. You know, that, yeah, that was just beautiful country, man. You have a right to be uh, very proud of where you come from. <laughs> it's pretty down there in the snowshoe area, the Marlinton area. The, the, we live closer to snowshoe, which is a, which is a, another ski resort. Um, but it's but but that's not too far away. It's a, probably an hour and a half, two hours maybe away from from us. Very cool. always always slow down when we see those streams, don't we, Brian? Yeah, <laughs> my, my, that's my my father in law, who's, who's a fly fisherman as well, uh, is just. I mean, he almost drives off the road, you know. Oh, I don't know. Look, look, look. Yeah. Picks up a little bit or it's down. Or he's always he's monitoring all the time. Absolutely. 
That's that's great. I saw um, a while back. I, I guess a while back. I guess this, a year ago. Speaking of, we 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 talked about Hutchmoot earlier. I saw where you got to hike with with Kevin. Oh, yeah, yeah, Kevin Chandler. Well, yeah, he's a he's a good buddy. What was uh, what was that experience like? You have any reflections on on that experience and that hike? It was painful. He was heavy, you know, and, <laughs> and he's right there, you know, he's right there in your backpack, like a Yoda. And he's, just, uh, he's, he's saying things aren't as uh, maybe more enigmatic than, than Yoda. No. Ke- yeah. Kevin's uh, Ke- Kevin, uh, Kevin Chandler. Yeah. Look him up. If you haven't looked him up, we carry Kevin. He's a, he's a fantastic fellow. Has he been on your podcast? No, we, he hasn't. We've, we've, we've thrown that fun. idea around though. Yeah. It'd be cool yeah. to connect with he's him. He's great. He loves getting outside too, you know. It's part of his whole story. But he's he's an awesome guy. But yeah, he he'll, he'll get in a backpack because um, uh, he's not able to walk. But he usually uses a chair. But to to get places, uh, uh, and he's kind of small too. But he, so he kind of. But it is. I, I loved it. That was a privilege. That was right up here, right at Grand, up at Grandview, and really close to my house. And but we walked around, uh, um, hiked around. And it was an awesome time. I love I love spending time with Kevin. He's a it's talk about an inspiring dude. You know, we, we, if we're, we're, some of us are people who are like maybe reluctant or it's hard to get us moving or that kind of thing. And, he, and here's a guy that's got every limitation you can imagine. And he's just like, that's not going to stop me. I'm going to go to China and see the wall. I'm going to go to um, these islands in Ireland and all over Europe. And I'm going to go to Hillbilly, West Virginia and go around. He just, he's an awesome guy. And it makes, it's inspiring to me to think, uh, about about some of the limits that I either put on myself or actually have as as um, being opportunities for for uh, growth and adventure. And he uh, love that guy. Uh, speaking of adventure, we like to ask our guests, "What's your next adventure?" So you might like to ask that, but do I like to answer it? I mean, I don't. That we don't. We don't know the answer to that. Uh, my next adventure. It's funny is I, 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 uh, I don't think very often in those terms, which is probably a, a, a bad thing about it. It's a good question. Um, I'm, uh, I don't know how much of my, I'm a little bit of a homeboy. And so I like being home. I'm, I'm going on tour pretty soon. I'm doing a book tour, which I think would be considered an adventure. To Absolutely. Um, it feels I like it because I get to meet a lot of the kids and it's, it's, it's fun. I'm also like, I also like being home with my family and that feels like the biggest adventure to me really uh, is I love, um, I don't know, man, I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm sort of a, a fan of like thinking small uh, and everybody's like, think outside the box, think big and all that. And I'm, and, I, and that, that's, I'm a little bit naturally inclined that way to sort of be a big dreamer and everything. But I, there's some romance to me in thinking inside the box, you know, inside the box is my family and my community, my church, my town. And I, I want to be here. This is not a place I want, I need, I feel a need to escape from. Mm. I feel like it's a place I want to escape into and I want to show up to. And that's part of what the the Jack Zulu and the Waylanders key is about. And that's really the, part of the theme of this of the story. And I think that's it's it's really influenced a lot by Chesterton um, in in uh, orthodoxy and this whole the the 
the uh, about gratitude and wonder and about receiving where we are. So I feel like my my biggest adventure is here um, at home, and I've got these precious human beings, all four of them, still in my house right now. And I don't that won't be for very long. I've got a 19 year old, a 17 year old now, a 13 year old, and a 10 year old. And and I um, not that that's my whole life. You know, I don't. That's not that's not the, an idol I want to worship or anything. But I, it's a it's a these people are are a um, stewardship that I want to um, receive and 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 do a good job with like even more importantly than sort of becoming you know scaling my business you know move which stuff i I care about i think about i want to do a good job and there's a lot of opportunities that we've had to sort of take next level sort of steps in in whether that's making films or doing this kind of thing and and i um i don't know i don't that's not the goal of life you know that's not the whole thing so I, i i I, I, I'm, there's part. There's a big part of me, and I hope that I'm not immediately contradicted by my actions in six months or something. But, but, but my heart is really in to this adventure, and with these people, and I think that I don't want to run away. I don't want to. I don't want to escape the life that I've been given, and I don't want to always be envying or longing for like if I just had a little bit more, or if I just had my neighbors car or my or someone who lived in a bigger city or someone else's you know i I just i want to be content and i want to receive so that sounds corny maybe a little bit but uh, but i i that feels like the biggest adventure for me is is um a modest grateful uh receiving of what i've been given and and a real like sort of um intentional exploration of like what what i'm actually called to and um uh instead of thinking like how do i leap all these steps like uh so i can get all the way to the top like what's the next step and how and i'm really grateful for being given that next step and the one after that the one after that because there's big you know the 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 i don't know that anybody's gonna I don't know that anybody's going to remember like it's the the most famous or the most successful people that we know like i don't know how long anybody's going to care about you know and, and is anybody going to care about the difference between you know you did this versus you did this like i think what people remember is those are, are is you know what you how much you loved them and how and 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 even beyond memory like how that shapes people um in life what their what their capacity if i love my kids and my wife well as well as i can then what kind of compounding interest will that reap down the line Mm -hmm. Um, so even strategically i kind of think that thinking small thinking modestly is effective (laughs) for what I want to see in the world mm-hmm. and, uh, and sort of receiving it from the hand of God, leaving the results up to him. But, but um, especially in this first province of my stewardship, I just want to, I want to, I want to live an adventure here. Uh, even if it's modest, I, I want to, uh, that's where I want to, want to show up and be present. That's like good. That. 
that's uh that's something similar to it makes me it makes me think back to james whitmer you know just finding adventures in your own uh you know in your own backyard you know in his garden there's a there's a mm-hmm. lot to be found you know in the trails of west virginia right next to your home yeah uh, there's a reoccurring in, in a lot of your photos there's a reoccurring overlook um that i've seen is that did you mention that earlier is that somewhere close to your home yeah that's that's yeah that's not too far away that's grand view yeah um, that's beautiful it is grand a grand view, view. well well named <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think it was named by some uh british soldiers that came here you know around the time of the revolution i think that that's where it came from i'm not 100 percent sure but yeah it's it's nice it's it's pretty it's it's not spectacular it's not uh which i which i like we've got we don't have the hard stark forbidding massive mountains that they have out west which i love which are spectacular they're these are warm hills and mm-hmm. it's a it's kind of a modest uh beauty I like that, that. I, that, I, that i love how can people find your books sam just kind of dig around just look around just like see if you look between do, the stones do your best. yeah just do your best i'd say just give it a, just give it a shot you know i don't know i mean i'm easy to find uh, sdsmith.com is is i think you can find everything awesome we'll put that in the uh in the show notes for this episode cool man yeah you said something that made me think about a perspective my my dad would uh, would always say is we were if we were building something or working on something you know say at our barn or you know around the house and you know you're measuring something or cutting something or putting something down it wasn't quite exactly right you know but it was close he'd go you know 100 years from now nobody's really going to care you know it's like it'll be fine you know (laughs) and so i this is a great perspective you know to have is when you're thinking small like that is like what's really going to matter in 100 years you know, mm-hmm. is it this was perfect or we like you said, we did this thing or we did this huge thing a hundred years from now. Who's really going to remember that? You know, and what kind of impact is that going to make? And so uh, it mm-hmm. certainly takes an awful lot of pressure off in a, in a world that social media driven and we, we curate what we put online and it's always the best thing. You know, it's never usually not the worst thing or the bad days or the average days. It's always like, look at this awesome meal that I just ate. Right. You know, taking photos of our, our, our food and, and we're curating the best things and it's not really the normal things. And, um, and so I appreciate that perspective of, you know, what's really going to matter in a hundred years or, or down the line for our family. So that's a, my, my dad would say, uh, nobody will notice from a galloping horse. <laughs> like, uh, it's kind of a version of what your, of what your dad yeah, said. I like that. I think, that. I think he got it from his, from on back, but uh, I like that. From, a, from a galloping horse. Like if you got a bad haircut or something, <laughs> ah. <laughs> that's good. That's good. Well, uh, man, we really appreciate you taking time to join us and, sharing your heart and sharing your work and your story with us um man i hope uh it certainly impacted me just this conversation alone has impacted me and recalled did you get saved did i say did i save you did i just save you no no jesus has taken care of that thankfully (laughs) but we might pass around the offering plate he beat you to it but we will pass the offering plate we'll we'll pass it around the digital the digital jesus is always doing better stuff than me i tell you what the aisles the buses will wait um Oh, <laughs> Reverend Smith has brought the message today. Uh, no, it really, uh, really impactful. You know, for us, 
you said something earlier that is uh, is really at the heart of of what Brian and I are about on this podcast is taking the pressure off of yourself as you're you're serving these you know your family and these people and these are stories that you you know you told your kids and now you've you know you've printed these stories and other people are benefiting but the, the your your initial goal was was your family and we, we literally. Uh, Sam said those same words as we started this podcast is, you know, does, does it matter if I know I I copied you guys, I heard you. And I was like, (laughs) this whole thing is a fraud. I didn't. But it's just for, for me, it's very encouraging, you know, to hear that and to go for me, it's reassuring that we're on the, we're on the right track. And that's if, if we tell our stories, we write some of, some of our episodes or essays that we write are stories and reflections on our, our own personal experiences. And if no one ever hears that, but my children and Brian's children are able to hear, he and I share these stories, tell these stories, have conversations with, with people like you. And it's digitally there for them to come back to one day when I'm no longer here, mm-hmm. then we've, then we've been a success. And uh, mm-hmm. that's our hope, and that's the goal. And um, man, I'm, I'm encouraged by that truth, and I hope to see more people. I hope we see more people take the time to go. You know what? Uh, I want to leave. Uh, you know, I guess the, the big word would be legacy. You know, what am I leaving for my family and my kids? Um, does it have to, you know, to be a New York Times bestseller? Not, no, it doesn't. But if mm-hmm. it's a treasure for your own family, stories for your own family and your own kids, then man, what a blessing! Uh, I would mm-hmm. kill to have some of my dad's stories written down, some of my dad's stories recorded, to have those to come back to. Um, to be able to come back to and hear recordings of his voice would be would be incredible, you know. And so, for Brian and I, we have we've been good stewards of that and going to continue to do that you know no matter who listens to it we know we'll always have our, our family will have this treasure so man thanks for that reassuring word and your time today uh, to meet with us and to share all of that um, we hope all of these things do exactly that encourage people to do the very same thing to share their own stories to, to have their own adventures in the place that we love to call the storied outdoors awesome thank you guys <laughs>